It's in the bathroom. Okay. What do you, what do you need? Do it again? Yeah. That's where that's what I see. I don't know what he did. As I came to church this morning, actually it started last night. it started last night. I'm just I'm just acutely aware lately. So I just evolved. I believe I'm seeing. 
do it again. You make a way when there is no way. And I believe God can do it again. I've seen you move those mountains. We'll see you do it again. You make a way when there's no way. I'll see you do it again. Your promise still stands. Friends, you're faithful. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed. Your promise will stand. Friends, you're faithful. And I'll never forget. You've never failed me yet. The song is actually titled "Will Be There," sung by Chris. Uh, yeah, Chris, help me pull out that. Tomlin. Thank you, Chris Tomlin. <coughs> Elevated worship is the current version of this album. But I heard that song this morning, and it talked up to me where I've been. Right here. And it wasn't a big part, it was just something else. Not too long ago, 
talked about the music recently. We were able to get a grant to help us take salary for that preschool. And that was money we had paid out that we were getting back. And then we did it again for a little bit more. But it was never too much. It was always just Last week, I walked down my office. You know I'm messed up when I park out the front of my spot. I'm parked out front. I went down the steps to get my car, it's not there. So I come back on the steps, go to the office. As I go through the office, the office has the refrigerator, probably food, whatever took a lunch. And God said, this isn't what it said. Work different on the back. It's a little bit different on the back. Let's see. Context is everything. It's the eighth century before Christ. Israel was divided into kingdoms. 
They're growing in economic strength. They are very, very well-paid. There was something going on inside. They were rotting, if you will, the covenant that God had given them on some outside, which most of you are familiar with, if not all of you, is pretty simple. You gotta love God, and you gotta love other people. Now, yes, there was law in that. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder. You have only one God before you. It was really, though, actually pretty easy to live that way if you chose to. But all of that prosperity and all of that wealth allowed them to get to the place where they began to believe that it would be okay to not only mix people with other groups outside of Israel, but they were mixing with religions outside, with cultic religions outside of Israel. Pretty soon Yahweh, who Israel had known forever, became a distant, distant thing to most people on the street. They actually plugged into a strange God that really just fit who they wanted that bit of law about loving your neighbor fell to the wayside. That bit of the covenant about loving God fell to the wayside. As the rich got richer and the poor got poorer, the rich forgot to help the poor. And everything that God intended in the law In this passage, Amos is going to have five weeks. Now, we're going to talk about the ones we read. And I'll have to read the ones we read. Third, what we could do. So what we would be to actually just get this set silence. Not just be white and put those down on stage to do something. I don't know if they'd be more cost effective or not. I haven't looked into it. It certainly wouldn't be more than 2,000 bucks. It certainly wouldn't be more. See that picture right there? That is my youngest son on the roof of his he got a leak on the rookie's house. And he called me and he said, Dad, in about six weeks, which was yesterday, I'm going to work on my roof. I've got a Saturday where I need to work on it. Will you help me? I said, Son, I don't know much, but I do know this. I know nothing about working on a roof. He said, I just need to become helpful. So I went over to his house to help him out. Well, I want to tell you what I really went over to do. It's this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you go flip? Okay, that's enough. <laughs> I went over to do that. I think I'm on that roof, but I don't want that roof with him. I crawled up the ladder with this fat body and sat down on top of his roof. And I sat there and watched him for about four hours. And he cut and he pressed and he pushed. The whole time I never touched a hammer, a nail, a saw, or anything. I sat there and talked about, you know, his mother, his wife, his daughter, his friends, the weather, the browns, everything under the sun. But I didn't do a lot of work. But I watched him. And even though I came down and played with that little girl a little bit, I spent my time watching my son, and he was meticulous. And he did a measurement, and it said four and seven eighths. He cut it at four and seven eighths. When he did a measurement, it took a certain angle that needed to be cut. He cut it exactly the way it was being cut. 
And the reason I'm telling you this is if you know anything about me, I can do a few things, mediocrity, you know, in a very mediocre way. I can't do anything great. If I tried to put that list together, we would be in trouble. It would be legion like you never forget. It would be that great. I mean, we would really just have a problem because I don't know how to do those things. That's what the Amos is teaching the Israel about. Their resume is all wrong. This is what God tells you. Now, what I'm about to read to you, church, is the first vision that Amos gave to the people. Locusts. Just when the later growth was about to sprout. In Israel, when the king took the first of the people's fields, the next round was there, as Israel was. That was actually the better spot. But locusts. Locusts in a matter of moments can wipe out a crop. Locusts in a matter of days can make famine come immediately. And Amos had this vision when the people were coming to have they're harvesting of the crops that will get to show up. It would have been the worst thing that could have ever happened. And if you look at that second verse, it's up on the screen. Amos prays and he says to God, Oh Lord God, forgive. How can Israel, Jacob, he says, how can Jacob stand? He's so strong. And the Lord relented concerning him. It shall not be, he said. This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, the Lord God was calling for a judgment like fire, and it devoured the great deep. Say, now that means the water. It devoured the water, and it was eating up the land. And again, Amos prays, and he says, "Oh Lord God, please stop! How can Jacob stand? He is so strong." And the Lord relented concerning. This also shall not be, saith the Lord. I want you to imagine for a minute what would happen if so much heat came down that all the crops were wiped out, everything is burned up, so much so that even the water, the lakes, the water sources dry out. And Amos prays, and you know what I hope you see in this? I hope you see the tenderness of Amos's heart. Oh, Lord God, Israel is too small. This will be devastating. How could they survive, Lord? Please forgive. It says that God relents. But here is the here is the vision I'm ready to use the only because we'll have all the trouble getting it into the picture. This is what the Lord showed me. The Lord is standing by a wall with a plumb line, built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. But just so you know that plumb line that you could take a spring and a wave comes up in the air. Gravity, of course, would make that spring perfectly free. What, what Israel, what Amos is seeing is that there's a plumb line, a wall that has been built with a plumb line, but now God is standing next to the wall, not on the wall, but next to the wall, holding a plumb line up to check if the wall is true, which is how it's supposed to the Lord said, Amos, what do you see? And Amos said, I see a plumb line. And the Lord said, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I will never again pass by them. Stop right there and understand this. You may read that last line and understood the 
God is saying that, you know, I'll never again pass by them. He, he's not going to, please understand what he's saying. He's saying, well, the first vision Amos you pray, and I will tell. With the second vision, Amos, you prayed, and I will tell. But Amos, now I've set down the problem. Now I've set down a standard for Israel, and they know what's right and wrong, and they know where things aren't right, and they know what's true and what's real. But I will never again pass because they know. God's testing the trueness of the wall that Israel has built. He's not judging Israel without reason. There's a standard. He's not being arbitrary. If he carries out anything that is threatened to do, it will be because there is reason and a standard that the people knew in advance and follow. No standard, no combine in the first two visions. Now, there's a problem. You went all the way back to Exodus chapter 19 when Israel was first given the law. God said this to Israel. We sang it this morning was our song. In Exodus 19, 6, you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. They were set up by God's plumb line. What had happened in Israel now was they were giving witness for to that law that God gave them. They were ignoring it in how they treated others. They were ignoring it in how they worshiped God. They were ignoring it in all aspects of their life. But interestingly, if you look real close down towards the bottom of that slide, just what God tells them, he says, my people, even though he knows that they've not followed the standard, he calls them his people. And this plumb line that God is holding Revealing just how much justice God had with them. He's not going to act arbitrarily. He's going to act with justice. The grandson came yesterday. He wanted to get up the cranes and the other cranes and the balls and the Lincoln logs and all that stuff. And, it, and we accepted him to get out of the No, he said, Papa, can I get out something else? And I said, son, you do not When you get out, you got to go back. And you're really going to go to bed. Because I'm not going to go Started yawning. I said, well, he's not to bed, is it? He said, yeah. And he started up like that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, he knew it ahead of time. What God's saying to Israel? If you worship pagan gods, I told you, thou shalt have no other God before me. If you convert my temple into a sanctuary for a cult, know that you're going to be in trouble. And that's exactly what they did. You see here in this passage, it says the high places of Isaac. That's exactly what they did. They, they went back. Listen, can you imagine people doing this? They went back to the places of the forefathers, the great stories that you read in the Bible, and they converted those places into places to worship other gods. You see, they were trying to connect Isaac and Jacob and all the people that had gone before them with their worship of God. So they weren't worshiping God, they were worshiping false gods. And God is saying to them this, you can't get in on the coattail 
No law comes was granted in Messiah. He's a priest. He's the priest of Bethel. And he says to the king, King Jeroboam, he says, Amos has conspired against you. And the land cannot bear what he's saying. Listen to what Amos has said. Amos has said that you, king, will die by the sword. And Israel will go into exile away from this land and slavery. And then Amaziah turned and talking to the king and he turned to Amos and he spoke to Amos. And he said, Oh, seer, go flee to the land of Judah and eat bread there and prophesy there. You know what he was really saying? He was saying, Why don't you just get out of here? Never again prophesied that well. He didn't think the king was that smart. He didn't become the king. And Amos responded to Amaziah this way I was not a prophet, nor was I a prophet's son. I was a shepherd, a herdsman. I took care of trees. But the Lord took me from doing that work, and the Lord told me. Go prophesy to my people Israel. Now therefore, Amaziah, hear the word that the Lord says to you. You say, do not prophesy against Israel. Do not preach against the house of Isaac. This is what the Lord says to you. Your wife will be a prostitute to the city. Your sons and your daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be divided up with a measuring line, and you yourself will die in an unwilling land. And Israel shall surely go into exile away from this land. Well, I want to tell you, I don't mind when the preaching is just preaching, but when the preaching gets personal, you're in trouble. But Amos was getting pretty personal. Amaziah, your wife's going to get a prostitute. Amaziah, your kids are all going to die. And what I said about Israel, that is going to happen. I don't want to deal with this too much because I want to get back to the plumb line, but let me just say to you that in the year 746 BC, everything that Amos just said took place. His children were killed. Likely the armies ravaged his life. And Israel was coded off to Babylon to captivity. See, Bill, what's all that got to do with us? It has to do with that. Here's the bottom line, today, church. The life that you live will reflect the standard you follow. I've learned this about people as I've lived. Everybody has a standard. But I don't give a shit. Everybody has a standard. And when I do it on my TV, I can scroll. You can choose your own standard and you can scroll like this original. Because what God was trying to get across when he stood there at the edge of Israel's wall that was built to their plumb line, as he held up his plumb line, I want to tell you, it looked like Joel Atkins had laid that wall. It looked as if I had tried to repair that wall. It was held up for all sort of ways and hardly standing. God said something to this. You see, God had a standard that the nation of Israel chose to build by their own standard. God has a measuring stick, but Israel chose to use their own. God has a level 
using their own standards, they got the results that they had come. They were all broken, it was not true, it was not straight, and everything about it was wrong. We are so often here now. This story is touchy, I really got real worried about putting this into my sermon this morning, but we'll say it. So often when bad things happen, people want to blame God. But they never take notice of exactly what they did in their desperation. Remember that first vision I told you the Lord was coming down? I want you to notice something about that. Was what was going on. What's your The second vision. Fire. Fire was going to happen. I want you to remember the third vision, what we're focusing on today. Israel was going to be in exile for centuries. Church, I want you to hear something. Amos was right. Famine would destroy Israel, fire would destroy Israel. Famine would destroy Israel. The locusts came the way beasts, they die off. Fire that lifts up all the water, the way it lives, God takes them into captivity and they live for 800 years. Bad things happen, we want to blame God, and we never realize that even in the bad, even in the midst of our ability to walk our way, God has blueprints we can't see. What you tend to want to do is to see how evil or unjust God is. People will say, you know, I can't serve a God that would do that. I'm going to tell you what I see right here. I see a God that is so long-suffering and grace-filled in his standard. But even though Israel goes into captivity for all those years, this is about as wide as they go. They can focus down a little bit more. They can open a little bit more, but it doesn't. This is the screen right now. Let's see if we can see where they can shoot down to the screen. I have, I have, uh, I kind of watch. You ever just watch people? I tend to be the people watching. I have a friend right now. A little older than me. When his kids were little, he supported them a lot. When those kids were never told about, they were never corrected. They were never told you cannot do anything. And I'd say to him from time to time, you were going to have a hand when they get older. They came up through elementary school, same deal, man. You couldn't tell them they were wrong. Nobody was allowed to correct them, and he spoiled them right. Got to high school, they turned into so much trouble for him. Police cars and sheriff's cars and everything under the sun. And he called me up recently and he says to me, and he knows I'm telling the truth. So I can't figure out. I gave my kids everything they want. And they said, church, I'll give you what you Build your house that way. You want to build by that standard that is your own. He said, hey, you'll get what you got, Mom. Don't look back and say, man, how could God do that? Cool. You need to look back and say, man, how could I do that, Mom? 
produced what are the standards they receive for results in the economy. That law was crooked. You know, Jesus, and here's where I'm going to end the message today. Jesus prayed. Now, that when he prayed, part of John 17, I want you to read. I've edited it out and just give you 16 verses. But I've got a few words highlighted, and hopefully you can see it on the screen. And as Jesus prayed for us, I want you to look at what he said. He said, I didn't have your word. The word was made in that because I got a Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. I should have highlighted word. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. You say, Joe, why'd you bring Jesus into this message? Because every message is Jesus. And here's what I want you to see Jesus is saying, I need to get some Just as God spoke and said to Israel, just as Yahweh spoke to Moses, just as Yahweh spoke to the, to the forefathers of our faith, the Jewish forefathers of our faith, and said to them, I will be your God if you will be my people. If you will be my people, I will covenant with you, I will take care of you, you will go to a land that flows with milk and honey, and you will live a life that you could have never imagined. Then they got their own little plumb line out. They began to build how they wanted to build. They took down the door. Church, one thing about you. Jesus says, Get up his plumb line. I have given them my word. I want them to be sanctified in the truth the same way that you sanctified me in truth, and you did that through your word. And I consecrate myself. He says, I'm going to go to the cross so that they can know the truth, and the truth can set them free. Church, the life that you live reflects the standard you follow. So many people come along and they want to tell me, oh, I can't understand how God would be like that. Oh, you better understand how God would be like that. He's got a standard. He's got a plumb line. You choose to build according to what he said. And you can build according to what you say. You will reap what you sign. Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. He was saying exactly what God says to the prophets. He knew that we weren't going to build by his feet. He knew that as much as our lip service pulls up our lips, much as, as we are just like Israel, but as God, we worship. He knew that was never going to cut it. So he sent himself to the cross of Calvary to die for the penalty for our sins. So that the greatest standard we could ever have to live by would have been one, the one that paid the price to live that life, to live that standard, which is Jesus himself. He knew that in dying, he was forgiving us. Life you live reflects the standard you follow. You know, we're all going to fall. We're all going to fall this side of heaven. But Jesus 